Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Second scripture is from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his side, and put my finger in the mark on the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Hey, thanks, Joan, so much. And thanks, Ivor. You were amazing, my friend. I just loved, loved, loved hearing you read that scripture. Well, last week in the scripture portion, we saw Mary Magdalene, our hero or our heroine. We saw her meet the resurrected Jesus disguised as the gardener. (laughs) We didn't even go there how amazing that was that she saw him as the gardener. A hint, hint, hint that this is a new beginning in a new garden, right? And we wondered if she might have had to transcend a previous stage of faith in order to see Jesus as he really was, the resurrected Jesus. Uh, we wondered about the fact or the, the reality that Jesus appears to us in different ways all throughout our lives and that our stages of faith 
as we develop further and further in them, we are able to see more and more of Jesus. And so we also wondered about what it would look like for us to follow Mary Magdalene's pattern, to weep about the real pain that we really experience in our lives, and then to follow the truth where it goes. Anyone love that phrase? Follow the truth where it goes. And then to keep our eyes paradoxically open when it's dark so that we can see all the ways Jesus might come to us in disguise as we go further and further on our faith journey. So I'm wondering, you can feel free to use the chat to answer this question, but I'm wondering if that if those thoughts echoed in your week about keeping your eyes open in the dark to see Jesus in disguise. I'm just wondering how that went for you. Now, maybe it went in one ear and out the other, and you haven't even thought about it since last Sunday, and that would be 100% fine. <laughs> but maybe for some of you, you did have some experiences where maybe you did meet Jesus in some unexpected ways. Jesus in disguise, Jesus in the dark, Jesus as a gardener or something else. So uh, this week's portion picks up right where we left off, the very next verse. Uh, we see Mary and the rest of the disciples huddled together in a little room, and they are afraid. Now, I love that they're locked in a little room together. <laughs> I love it because before you can change the world, you have to learn to change what's happening in your little room. <laughs> it starts there. Amen. It starts there. You don't, you don't get to just go out into the world and, and do justice and love mercy and walk humbly. You have to figure out what's happening in your little room. You have to learn what's keeping you locked in there. Amen. Right. You have to learn who's in there with you. So in this week's portion, I'd like to invite you to see this little room as a metaphor for whatever situation you find yourself in these days, whatever's keeping you locked in, whatever's keeping you uh, afraid maybe, or seeing only what you can see in your little room. What's, I want to invite you to take a look at that as a metaphor. And so let's pay close attention to who and what shows up this week in this week's portion because the only reason why we would even take a look at the scripture portions or any scripture portion is with the hopes that it's autobiographical with the hopes that we would find ourselves in it so that we can have some sort of a mystical mysterious um, way of seeing what god is doing in our own lives the only way to do that or one of the only ways to do that when we're reading the scripture is to see ourselves in it. So let's go. Uh, verse 19, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Here's the first all play question. Who's in the room so far? Who's in the room so far? Who's in that little room? You can use the chat to answer the question. And just go. There's no right answers, whatever, whoever has the courage to write an answer down uh, enables our conversation to go farther than it would have if it was just me talking, <laughs> right? Okay, Junia, we're in the room. Boom. 
Exactly, because it is autobiographical. Now, magically and mysteriously, we are in the room. And Mary, yes, fear is in the room. Boom. Uh, who else is in the room? Fear's in the room. We're in the room. Who else is in the room so far? Just that first half of verse 19, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear. Who's in the room? Yes, the followers of Christ. Jesus is not there yet. Fear's in the room. Mary is in the room. The disciples are in the room. We're in the room. The doors are shut. So how do you respond? Here's an all play question too. There's going to be a lot of all play questions today. I'll try to keep it moving. How do you respond when you realize fear is in the room with you? This is a real question. How do you respond when you come to terms or come to grips and you become aware that in your metaphor, in your little locked room, the, the, the little space that's your life, how do you respond when you realize that fear is in the room? Nate, my old normal, ooh, look at that, progressing along the stages of, of faith. My old normal, my new normal. My old normal is to try to take control. Me too, Nate. Man, I hate fear, and I, I try to sort of squash it down, I try to pretend it's not there sometimes. I do anything other than just greet it. Uh, Will, Lee, I usually try to leave the room <laughs> 100% and talk to someone else, right? Because fear is scary. It is. Uh, Danny Cook, uh, say a prayer. Ask God to lift the burden of that fear. Yes, I love that. Uh, Bill, welcome, Bill. Uh, I look around and band together with others around me. I love that, Bill. Thank you for that. Because I think for me anyway, when I realize fear is in the room, I can tend to isolate and think that it's just me and fear. It's me versus fear, right? Allie, I turn on the lights. <laughs> yeah, right? I do something. Um, and Allie is, is noticing something that we haven't noticed yet, but it's, it says it's evening. So it is dark, right? Uh, Mark, I focus only on the fear. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was saying. That's kind of what I do. Fear becomes really, really big and it gets bigger and bigger when I only focus on the fear. Uh, Elizabeth, depending on the situation, try to put on a brave face. Oh man, isn't that exhausting? Putting on a brave face uh, when fear is staring you down. Holly, it paralyzes me. Yes, 100%. When you recognize fears in the room, it is paralyzing. Uh, Rebecca, I tend to want someone bigger, stronger, smarter, and smarter to take charge and do something. Yes. Thank you for that honesty. That's such a great response. Me too. I want someone just to take care of it. <laughs> I become smaller and younger when I come face to face with fear. Uh, keep answering and I will catch up. Uh, I, you know, as I've reflected on it this week, I think you can pretend fear isn't there. Uh, but then when you do that, it just seems to get bigger, doesn't it? 
So I love what Elizabeth Gilbert, she's a writer. Maybe you've heard of her. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love. But this one book that I'm going to quote from is from Big Magic. It's all about how to cultivate creativity. It's a great book. She wrote this. It seems to me that the less I fight my fear, the less it fights back. If I can relax, fear relaxes too. The less I fight my fear, the less it fights back. If I can relax, fear relaxes too. She also writes about living a life that's driven more strongly by curiosity than by fear. So here's my question. When you recognize fears in the room, what if you just welcomed it? What if you just said hi to it? Hello. Elizabeth Kibler also talks about, you know, if you're imagining you're in a car, that fear can be in the car. Just don't let fear take the wheel. <laughs> don't let fear drive the car. Um, just catching up, Nate, obviously the fear is bad, wrong, and we need to make it go away. Well, yeah, right. And so tongue in cheek there. Uh, but also Kara said, I focus on what fear is doing in my body. Yes. And what the fear might be telling me. Yes, yes, yes. I think after you've welcomed fear, I'm not saying necessarily fear is great, but if we pretend it's not there or if we fight it, it only becomes bigger. So the alternative there is to welcome it. So imagine Mary and the disciples. We don't see anything in this passage about fear going away. Fear's there, but we just see more and more people and things enter the room, right? And remember, it's evening on that day, as Allie already kind of mentioned to us, the first day of the week, the doors of the house were, where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. It's evening. And so remember what we learned last week. When it's dark, paradoxically, that's when we should keep our eyes open for when we might meet Jesus in a different way, Jesus in disguise. Uh, Nico and Regan, one of the, I'm assuming this is Nico. He's a counselor. One of the ways, one of the best ways we work with trauma in the clinical space is by introducing curiosity. Yeah. Back to Elizabeth Gilbert's quote, to live a life that's driven more strongly by curiosity. Hmm. Hello, fear. <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> then by fear itself. And Kara, I find that sometimes fear can be protective. Yes. Fear plays a role. It communicates important information that something is missing that you need. Um, so let's keep moving in the, in the text because in the dark, when fear is in the room, we see someone come. And when the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, and that's what you have to put in there, the Jewish leaders. It says Jews, but uh, this verse has been taken out of context to pit, pit Jesus against Jewish people, Christians against Jewish people. It's not that. They were really in fear of what the Jewish leaders might do because the control had been wrested away from them. And with the resurrection of Jesus, all bets were off. So Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, this is going to sound like an obvious question, but I want you to answer it anyway. Uh, here's our next all play question is now who's in the room? Now who's in the room? We have Mary, the rest of the disciples. By the way, Mary Magdalene is one of the disciples of Christ, as we learned last week. Uh, who else is in the room now? 
Yes, Allie, the gardener shows up in the room. And Rebecca spots it very well as well. Peace is now in the room. And TJ personifies peace. The person peace is in the room. And Katie Troughton, you are right. Fear is still there. And that's such an important insight, Katie. Thank you so much. Just because Jesus is there and just because peace is there does not take fear away. Fear can be present with peace and vice versa. Peace can be present with fear. Have you ever felt like you needed to get beyond something? Like every once in a while, um, when I ask people about certain decisions that they are making, and then they say something like, I'm at complete peace about my decision, which is great. I love that. Maybe they are. But I always wonder when people say that to me, like, aren't you still a little bit afraid? Because like every decision I've made, every big decision I've made, I can feel peace about it. And I use air quotes. I don't know why I did that. But like, I can feel real peace and also still be afraid because you, we, we don't get to control outcomes, right? <laughs> oh, okay, I'm catching up here. Um, fear's still there. Hannah, light is in the room. Yes, way to follow the conversations. Evening, but all of a sudden Jesus comes and some light comes with Jesus. And uh, so good, Hannah. Thank you so much for that. Laura, first thing Jesus does is acknowledge all the fields. Yes, peace be with you. And then he repeats it later on because why? <laughs> They're not feeling much peace yet. Someone's there. Maybe some of them are recognizing him. Maybe some of them aren't. Who is this freak and why is he in our room and how did he get there? Because the doors where I thought were locked. Uh, Will Lee, there's a way in which when people quote, perfect love cats out all fear. Yeah, here we go. Well, using the Bible to interpret the Bible. I love it. It's what we got to do. That it can be dismissive where they just say, oh, don't be afraid. Right. However, Will writes, there's another way it can be relaxing and curious. Like perfect love helps you relax and embrace fear and listen to fear and not let fear take the steering wheel. Thanks, Will. That's so right. That's so right. And so let's not look at the Bible, other verses dualistically, like perfect love casts out fear. Cause what that does, it does dismiss real fear and it drives you back into yourself, doesn't it? Because if you really, if you still fear, feel fear, even though you're about to make this decision that you must, you feel, you must be doing something wrong. You must not be experiencing perfect love. So what's wrong with me? Now you get into this endless introspection and shame cycle instead of living with what the disciples must have lived with, which is peace plus fear, right? So let's not be dismissive and let's not be so dualistic to think that uh, we have to get it right and do it right. And the only way to get it right and do it right is to have perfect peace <laughs> and have no fear. Like raise your hand if you've ever had any situation where there's a complete absence of fear, like maybe a second, maybe a nanosecond. Uh, uh, Mark, yes, exactly. It makes you feel like a failure. Uh, Nate, gotta love feeling bad about feeling bad. Yeah, right? I mean, and that's so much of religion, so much of Christianity has been about feeling shame about not getting it right. And we just, I hope this portion about the room helps us dispel that because we're just gonna see more and more people uh, added added to the room. So the disciples are there, fear is there, Jesus is there, and peace is there, light is there, all together in the same room. But let's say a little more about peace, the presence of peace. 
in John 27, Jesus said this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And I don't give as the world gives, which the world, think of the world, Richard Rohr calls the world just the system, the system of quid pro quo, of getting it right, of doing it perfectly. Like, you can hear Jesus saying, I don't give peace the way we were just talking about it. Like perfect love casts out all fear. So you're not getting it right unless you're feeling perfect love. I don't give peace the way the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't let them be afraid or don't let them be controlled by fear. Allow peace into the room with fear alongside of it. That's my peace that Jesus gives. When he was sitting in the garden, he was terrified before he died. He was he was crying. He was feeling lonely. He was saying, let this cup pass from me. And yet I think probably peace was present with his fear as well. Um, and Kara, okay. Um, I spent so much time asking my therapist, how do I remove those fearful thoughts? Right. Right. And she asked me to consider if I focus less on the shame of being afraid. Yes. And instead on what fear might have to tell me fear. Yes, Kara. Thank you so much for that very vulnerable sharing about your time with your therapist. Yes, fear can teach us something when we put it, when we have it in the right perspective. It's there for a reason. It can stay in the room. It can, it can be in the car. Just again, thank you, Elizabeth Gilbert. Don't let it drive. And, um, and yes, let's normalize therapy. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, so, Peace is something that Jesus gives you and leaves with you. The peace of Jesus himself, the person of peace who went to hell and back, if we believe in the scriptures. And this peace is mysterious. It's so strong that it can exist alongside of fear. And I think when we, when we recognize all the things we've been talking about, we can get curious enough to learn from fear. Why is it there? What's it there to teach us? That's peace. That's a presence that is allowing us to not be paralyzed or not fight. You know, the three great responses when we're paralyzed by fear and we meet fear is to be, is to freeze or fight or run away, right? Peace allows us to do something else and get curious about it and keep inviting more and more people into the room, right? Now, remember, this little room we're talking about is your space. It's your life. It's your mind. It's your body. It's your soul. It's your, it's your stage of faith. And so, like, think about it that way as we keep going in this portion. Uh, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his side. And then we read the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Whew. So now who's in the room? Now who's in the room? <laughs> the disciples are there. Peace is there. Fear is there. Uh, and I'm just, you know, I cannot catch up on the chat, but you guys, it's so great. It's so great. Read the chat because uh, it's all about how, how as a community, we're moving through fear. If we can become friends, Nico says, with a fearful part, then it can finally start to teach us and walk with us. Yes, yes, yes.
Um, so who's in the room now, you guys? Who is in the room now? After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Nate, random thought, fear can have a bonding effect. You can feel closer to people who go through a fearful experience with you. Yeah. Yeah. So there we are. Fear, peace, Jesus, the disciples. Well, it's interesting when they see the hands which have holes in it and the side which has been pierced, they rejoiced. So not only is peace and fear in the room, their eyes are opened. Uh, Peyton writes, I wonder if they were afraid of moving on without Jesus. Yes, right? Almost like learning to ride a bike with training wheels and when they're taken off, you're scared to move to the next chapter. I think you're totally right, Peyton. They were afraid to move on without Jesus. But then there he is. They see his hands, they touch his hands, they touch his side, and they saw the Lord. So I think it's true. Like, did they not recognize him when he said, peace be with you at first? Who's this freak who's entered our room without our knowing it? But now they see him and you guys, they rejoice. Joy is in the room now. Peace, fear, Jesus, the disciples, and joy. As we let curiosity lead the way, we start to experience more of the full range of human emotions and experiences. When we stop pretending that we have to get it right, when we stop looking at things dualistically as if fear is either good or bad, when we let fear be our teacher, when we let fear be in the room but not drive it, when we let peace start to take uh, um, more and more space in our hearts and our minds, then we really do get a much greater range of human emotions. Um, and yes, Allie, you, you saw it coming. Does anyone else keep picturing the characters from inside out being in this room? Yes, that's a great way to look at it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, let's, let's keep moving. Let's, let's, let's keep moving. Um, they rejoice. The disciples rejoice. So joy's in the room. Uh, and then Jesus says this, receive the Holy Spirit, verse 22. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Okay. Woo! Now who's in the room? Use the chat to answer that question. You guys hanging with me? Now who's in the room? The characters from Inside Out are in the room. <laughs> oh, Nate, divinity is in the room. Whew. Divinity is in the room. Hannah, the Holy Spirit's in the room. Yes. And Danny, forgiveness is in the room. And I find it so interesting, the presence of the Holy Spirit and then forgiveness. How are those two things connected? Uh, powers in the room. Yeah. And Jonah Tanez says responsibility is in the room. Whoa. Yes. Yes. Because if you forgive people, they will be forgiven. And if you hold on to sins, then those sins will be held on to. Whoa. Great spot, Jonah. 
I mean, amazing that as we experience more and more of the full range of emotions, fear, peace, joy, each other, community, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, then we start to experience a sense of empowerment and power to do that which we never could do before, that which we could never see before. And Ali, yeah, a breath of fresh air, a breath and fresh air. So let's go there. The room's getting kind of crowded, isn't it, you guys? <laughs> How big is this room? Is this room expanding? Could it possibly be expanding? So Ali, well spotted. When Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, what are we reminded of? When the gardener breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, what are we reminded of, you guys? Come on. It's not hard. Nate, full human experience, emotions, light, dark ones, embodiment, divinity, connection. Yes. Kara, uh, it's like the TARDIS. I don't know what that is. It gets bigger on the inside. Um, Doctor Who, I don't know Doctor Who. Oh my goodness, I need to check it out. All right, and Laura's spotting it. Come on, Genesis. Allie's spotting it. Creation, Will's spotting it. Adam or the human getting the breath. Um, the nostrils, yes, you guys, this is from, we're such nerds. Can we just pause on that? Just such Genesis nerds. Everything goes back to the garden. Genesis 2, 7, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the ruach, the spirit. This is what's happening. And the man became a living being. And so John wants you to go back there. John wants you to go back to your creation because this is a new creation. So who's in the room? Disciples, Jesus, fear, peace, joy, Genesis, the Garden of Eden's now in the room. The Holy Spirit's in the room. Forgiveness is in the room. And perhaps something new is being created right in this room. How big is this room getting now, my friends? Let's pause for a second. Really, let's pause. Take a deep breath in. Hold it. Let it all the way out. What might it mean for you in your very experience, in your room, your mind, your body, your soul, your experience where maybe fear has been taking over? You know, the staff just met at Elam this week and we're doing some hardcore planning for returning to hybrid worship, which means in the sanctuary, in the building. And guess what? There's a little bit of fear <laughs> about all the technical details and all the, you know, how are we going to do Eucharist and all that stuff. But as we pause, what might it mean for us to see more than just fear? So a new beginning might be able to be born in your situation. What might you be able to see in your room more than fear so that a new beginning might be born into that situation. You know, for us, Rebecca, Allie, me and Kara, uh, Will wasn't there, but the staff, what we reflected on just being together, of course, masks and distancing and all that stuff. We just said, you know, being in the room in, at Elam in the sanctuary and being together helped calm our fears really did that's what we noticed afterwards and we and we kind of talked about it and we even noticed like as we were meeting beforehand there was a moment where i had to ask the question like 
you guys, am I anxious right now? And one of the other staff persons said like, yes, you are. <laughs> and it was so great because I was anxious. And then I sort of noticed like fear was in that room. Fear was in the room. But just noticing it and laughing about it and me having it actually like, yeah, like it was so great. I felt so known and loved that the staff person didn't say like, no, you're doing great. Oh, you know, great leader who also who always has to have everything perfect. <laughs> no, they're like, yeah, you are a little anxious. And we got to say it and name it and welcome fear in the room and then move on. And we and fear never totally left, but it was accompanied by peace. So what what would it mean for you? What do you need? Like, do you need some people in your situation to help you realize you don't have to get it all right? Uh, Elizabeth, when we see what confirms or reinforce what we already believe, i.e. only seeing the fear, this reminds me that in those moments, pausing to see what else is in the room can expand my view of reality in any moment. Elizabeth, 100%. Yes, you're a teacher. <laughs> of course you're a teacher. But we can recognize the fear. That's what Elizabeth is saying. And just Look around though. Remember when it's in the dark? Remember when it's dark? You guys, this is just, this is what the scripture is trying to teach us at all moments when it's autobiographical. When it's in the dark, open your eyes because there are things you can't see that you need. Other people are in the room. Peace is in the room. The Holy Spirit's in the room. Forgiveness is in the room. It's all there. It's all there. Oh man. Okay, I got to move on because I am going way, way longer than I should. When you learn to live with fear and peace and joy and the Spirit's presence, your very presence, now we get to this responsibility that Jonah was saying, begins to set people free. Your presence forgives people. Uh, it's amazing when you expand and when you can be expansive, when your room expands to include that range of emotions that just your presence can set people free. Whoo. And Carrie, yes, <laughs> we took your suggestions to all play to heart this morning. <laughs> so thank you. We can share the blame of going long. Is that what you're saying, Kara? <laughs> thank you. Well, let's keep going because now you're now we're becoming integrated wholes. Fear is there, peace is there, Jesus is there, forgiveness is there. Sometimes forgiveness is, is retained. So that's there. That's all in the room. It's all in our metaphorical room. But let's keep going, verse 24. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. We weren't asking who's not in the room. And that's a lesson, isn't it? Sometimes we got to ask who's not in the room that needs to be because Thomas was not. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, guys, listen, <laughs> guys, <laughs> listen, that's a little paraphrase. Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger on the mark of the nails and my hands on his side, I will not believe. So the situation is now, now we've suddenly exited the room and now we're out in the world and there's Thomas and he wasn't in the room. He didn't have the experience. He's like, man, I, I got to touch it with my own hands. So here's a question, gang. Now who's in the room? I know we've exited the room, but let's imagine we're back in the room. Yes, Hannah, questioning is in the room. Questioning is in the room. Can we welcome questioning? Can we well, this is, Thomas is always called what? 
he's, he's, he's given an adjective. I hope you don't use an adjective when you, you know, when you introduce me, <laughs> doubting Thomas, doubt is in the room. Well, doubt is good. Can we say that? Doubt is good because when we make room for doubt, we make room for more belief. Amen. Even if it takes a week or longer, because it says this, a week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came, verse 26, and stood among them and said, peace be with you. This is the second time he says, peace be with you. So we get a double portion of peace because we need it. It's great. And then Jesus looked at Thomas and he said, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. When we make room for doubt, we make room for more belief, even if it takes a week or longer. And this is, Allie, embodied curiosity. Touch my hands, touch my side, see who I am. And yes, Rajan. Doubt allows us to learn. And Laura, I wonder what color doubt is in the inside out world. Yeah, they kind of miss that character, right? Um, maybe doubt is, I don't know, rainbow, who knows? Um, Hannah, it's okay to say I don't understand. I'm not sure that that this is correct. Let's talk some more. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Kristen, I think Laura, I think doubt might be gray. Ooh, I like that one. Yep, yep, doubt's definitely gray. <laughs> and maybe doubt changes colors, who knows? Um, so when we make room for doubt, we make room for more belief, even if it does take a week or longer. And then we read in verse 30, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So we have to imagine what they might be many other signs, but these are written. The things that I did write down, John said, so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. And I think belief gets a bad rap. It gets misunderstood. It's that same thing about perfect love casts out fear. It's like when you hear the word belief, we feel like we have to hear it as all or nothing. But if you follow this passage, it's not all or nothing. It's just recognizing more and more of what's in the room. Belief is much more experientially knowing embodied curiosity than it is about ticking off a list on a wall that you say, yeah, I believe in that. I believe in that. I believe in that. I'm good on that. I'm good on that. I'm good on this. I'm good on this. No, 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 no. It's you are an embodied person having an embodied experience and you're going to experience fear first. What does it mean to believe when all you can see is fear? Belief can exist with fear, even when that's the only thing in the room. I'm going to catch up here. Uh, Nate, belief is being able to articulate correct doctrine, is not being able to articulate correct doctrine, right? Doubt is a part of the garden also. Yes, yes, yes. Doubt was present in the garden even before sin. Check that out because the serpent introduced doubt, right? Uh, Allie, Thomas is kind of like a scientist needing to experiment and observe before coming to a conclusion on the hypothesis that Jesus is alive. Yes, yes, yes. Let's be like that. Let's be curious. Let's let curiosity be the stronger force other than fear. Um, so belief, let's disabuse ourselves of the notion that to believe means to 
adhere to all kinds of mysterious theological doctrines that if we just do that, then we're fine. Belief is just being able to take the next step with Jesus on your journey. That's what belief is. That's all belief is. I don't believe everything I'm supposed to believe. I go in and out of believing those things. I change. I morph. I, I, some days I'm better than others in terms of what I can believe. But I think that's bringing my embodied curiosity. I like that, Allie. Um, that's bringing my embodied curiosity into the room uh, and, and noticing more and more what is in that room. So as I close my portion here, um, just something to reflect on. Uh, who is in your room right now? What can you see? Is fear there? Is peace there? Is joy there? Is forgiveness there? Uh, are you fully there? Is doubt there? Is curiosity there? Is fear there? Who's in your room? And you guys listen, really listen to this piece. How might you learn to welcome whoever and whatever is in your room? What might that look like? Not perfectly, but just taking the next step with Jesus. How might you watch? as Jesus enters your room and keeps making space for more and more until your room is the whole world. That's what happens. That's where we're going. When we allow Jesus to keep expanding our room, our room becomes the whole Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.